0: on a typical <laughs> <laughs> on a typical sunday we uh see if we can get through the whole day without any announcements whatsoever uh, that is not going to be uh what's going to happen today i have several things that i need to communicate uh with you today um and uh going to include this in the recording uh so that those who are unable to be with us today can also kind of get in on uh some of the church family things we've got to talk about here just for a few a few minutes. Um, keep my notes in front of me so I don't, so I don't ramble and waste your time this morning. Um, <clears throat> so Jeremy's having a birthday this week. We want to uh, make sure that you uh, greet him. Um, it does seem that Brian has further injured his knee last night. We want to be uh, praying for him and a breakthrough with the VA so he can actually get some uh, the medical care that would be good. We want to be uh, praying for him. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, save the date. Uh, we'll be uh, communicating this by email if we've got your email address. Uh, you'll also see them uh, if you interact with us on the various uh, social media uh, platforms. Uh, a couple of uh, things to keep on your calendar. Um, We have been uh, preparing and working towards uh, a couple of different workshops to try to help us all grow uh, in this uh, thing we call life. Um, And uh, one of those is going to be on the subject of faith and reason. Uh, We believe that God created you with a brain and that uh, your spirituality and your faith is not a time to check your brain at the door. Um, in fact, quite the opposite, we believe that your doubt is a friend, is a help to help you identify what are your questions? What are the things that you don't believe or don't understand and wonder about? And um, to that end, we want to start a series of guided conversations where we can, as a community, uh, talk a little bit further um, about things that we have questions about and learn and grow and interact with um, issues of science and new scientific discovery. And um, so I believe that this is a biblical thing, an imperative. I'm going to be asking that, um, uh, if, if you're not aware, we gather here in a public place, in a, in a larger group, but we also we have seven different small groups. We gather in homes and neighborhoods. And I'm going to be asking that the, uh, the small groups uh, alter their schedules just to kind of make this a little bit easier. But on Friday night... April 27th, we're going to be gathering, that's Friday night, April 27th, 7 p.m., we're going to be gathering uh, for the first in a few conversations on what we'll call faith and reason. And we're going to talk about uh, doubt, we're going to talk about our questions, uh, we're going to uh, start on some scientific conversations as well, and in that first conversation, what we hope to is get to um, wrestle with the question, why do we believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Um, is there any scientific proof? Is there is there anything, is it reasonable for us to believe in that? And to that end, uh, most of you are aware these last few weeks I've made available uh, two books for your consideration um, and to help you in conversations you're having with people that don't believe in God and Sunday morning is really not their on-ramp and not an accessible way. And the books are here at this table in the middle of the room and in the the book table at the back free uh, for you. So uh, the case for uh, Easter, uh, written by the journalist Lee Strobel um, and More Than a Carpenter. And so we just want to um, head in that direction. So that will be Friday night, April 27th, 7 p.m. Um, and the following week, we have for four years helped A Mother's Cry, which is a service to the mothers of murder victims, with a variety of things through the year. And one of those has been a Mother's Day brunch, a Mother's Day banquet. This year, it's going to be a week prior to The Mother's Day weekend. So that will be Saturday, May 5th. So please set aside April 27th, um, Saturday, May 5th um, for that. And just kind of in keeping and kind of the save the date, also our annually, our ladies uh, get away for a day uh, together uh, in what is called Cherished. And that is going to be on Saturday, June 2nd. Saturday, June 2nd. For those of you that are planners, for the rest of you, hey, We'll let you know when we get to that week, right? Uh, so we want to make sure that you are um, aware of that. Um, this, Some of you may also have been aware uh, that uh, there were 12 homes that were destroyed in a fire on 39th and Roland. Uh, we uh, prayed for them over the past week. Oh, thankfully, we as a church have been able to directly make contact with two of the families that were affected, displaced by the fire. Um, and we are engaged in a partnership with other organizations that are helping them. We were able to confirm number of the families are able to get um, cash from the Red Cross right away and have needs met in different ways. So, uh, but we want to be. We're going to pray in a moment over a couple of things, but that will be one thing. Let's continue to remember in prayer because losing your home to fire is a traumatic thing. Some of us in this room have gone through that in the past, and we just want to pray for a miracle of grace, peace healing, and that God would protect them and cover them. Because the the unfortunate financial reality is that some of these families are going to be displaced and probably will not be moving back into those homes. And so we want to remember them in prayer today as well. At the close of our service last Sunday, I received the news that my pastor, Dick Iverson, passed away, went to uh, heaven. He uh, founded our home church, City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, uh, in the 50s, and uh, some of you would be aware that that church, um, which is the head of a network of churches, as Bible College, and a variety of other ministries that are known internationally, and has been an umbrella but also a safety net and a root system for literally hundreds of churches in Southeast Asia, hundreds of churches in Africa, hundreds of churches in other places, and and helping hundreds of ministers in Haiti and other parts of the world. So has that church has only had three pastors from the 50s to the current day. Uh, So this is kind of a big deal for us and for in this room, for Rebecca, myself, for Ray and Dorothy, for Patrick, this is the pastor that we have known uh, gone to be in heaven uh, it was in a, in a way it was uh, beautiful it was a little bit unexpected um, he uh, was healthy doing good uh, in, you know in his 80s and um, was out spending a couple days out with family um, and started to not feel too well uh, finally convinced him to um, go back and see his doctor went and saw his doctor and his doctor said you're going to heaven soon uh you know he had an acute case of uh leukemia and he wasn't even aware really prior to that that he was ill at all and so they were able to get family he has uh uh four daughters one that's in heaven a variety of grandchildren great-grandchildren able to get pretty much everybody together spend a couple of days with him uh before he went to heaven uh so it all happened from from Thursday to Sunday uh and he was gone and uh so it was very quick uh, he he didn't suffer um, but we, I, I bring it up because this is our root system. This is our root system. And so we want to be praying for the family, right? I want to be p- praying for the church family. I uh, want to be praying for all those that uh, are feeling the effect of this. Um, the, the main auditorium there is 2,500 seats. It's not big enough for this memorial service. It's going to be at the convention center. Uh, so uh, it's going to be kind of a big deal. Um, but we want to be praying for them this month. A lot of people, you know, this is their grandpa. Um, or people that, you know, like Ray, Dorothy, myself, you know, were mentored by him. Uh, I want, And I want you to know, he knew about this church. He planned to come visit this church. We had many conversations. He prayed for you. And in some cases, I had told him life story of some of you in this room. He cared about you. He loved you. And um, also, I know that um, this past week, there are multiple people here in this room that are lamenting the loss, the death of a loved one or a family member. Um, yesterday, uh, one of our the churches we are very close to in the city had a huge memorial service, a young father of two little kids uh, that died tragically in an accident. So I know that there are multiple people that are lamenting uh, loss and, and, and suffering death and separation. And so we want to be in prayer today, which is why I put... Um, psalm 116 on the screen you know you see highlighted that the lord cares deeply when his loved ones die you know if you think about it before sin enters the equation with adam and eve god did not create us for us to be separated in our relationships for the death that he allows temporarily here until christ returns that's not how we were originally created and so when we go through the grief process and wherever we are in that, feeling a sense of loneliness, feeling a sense of loss, feeling anger, feeling um, denial, whatever uh, uh, however we are experiencing that loss of a loved one, it is also a part of our worship to say in our hearts, this should not be so. Because we are, in a sense, agreeing with God. We are agreeing with God. This should not be so. This is not God's original intent, His best design. And it will come to an end when Christ returns. So I want you to be able to know in your mind and feel in your heart some comfort. And how we lament the loss of a loved one, it matters. God cares about that. Is that okay? Now, before we pray, Brother Dick would not be too happy with me if I didn't also mention that in our network of churches, a close friend of ours who we were on staff with before, Yas, uh, amazing electrical guitarist, uh, this morning, before you woke up, it was already Sunday morning in Japan, and we have started a new church in Japan, in Taitima City, Japan, um, and it is called uh, Bridge City Church, And there on the screen you see Pastor Daryl, who was with us in December, and Pastor Mark Estes, the current pastor of City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, there. They were there this weekend for the start of this church. Uh, We, as a network of churches, have been uh, church planting and and sending missionaries to Japan since the 50s. Uh, And so our network is deep in Japan thousands of people in Japan that are a part of your church family specifically, and so we want to be praying for them as well, this launch of this new church, and so that is exciting, yeah? Are you with me? Okay, so will you just agree with me in prayer um, over these, uh, a variety of topics that we've just discussed? Lord, this morning, uh, we say we believe that you are alive, you are aware about what's going on you are um, active, Lord, you are already at work in what is going on in our world. We believe that you're the one true living God. And to that end, Lord, we ask that you would bring a healing miracle to Brian's left knee. Lord, um, to that end, Lord, we ask that you would do miracles of provision for the families displaced by fire. Lord, we ask that you would bring a miracle of comfort to them, of grace and peace, and that you would, whether it be through all the various uh, nonprofits that are engaged in the cash that we have already uh, donated, the things that have already been done, the touches of, of love and encouragement and material and clothing, Lord, we ask that in their hearts there would be a miracle of grace and peace, Lord, wherever they are today. And uh, God, we thank you um, that in you um, there is life. And that today, uh, Pastor Dick Iverson is alive and paying attention to what's going on and enjoying fellowship with you and uh, still uh, bringing up prayer requests before you and, and thinking about us and others, Lord. And we just remember his immediate family, Lord, his wife, Roxy, Lord, his daughters, his grandchildren, his uh, great-grandchildren. Lord, we pray that you would comfort them as they uh, lament his loss and they grieve for him. And Lord, those that are in this room right now that are uh, grieving the loss of a loved one or a family member or our, our extended church family that are around Baltimore and other places today, Lord, would you please help us to grieve, Lord, in a way that honors you, Lord God. Would you please bring a, a miracle of comfort and grace and peace, Lord, as we are aware that you care when people die. And uh, Lord... Um, I just also pray for um, Pastor Jay and the whole church family, the, the mother of two small children that have just lost their loved one. Lord, we pray that you would cover them, that you'd protect them, that you would provide for them, that you would bring strength and grace and relationships around them. Lord, I thank you that in you there is new life. Lord, we thank you for a miracle of a new church in Japan. And we pray for Yas and I and all those on the team there that are are reaching others for you. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them, bless them and bless these new relationships that are building. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in us and through us, Lord. And I ask that as we even um, extend ourselves here in Baltimore City, Lord, reaching out for expansion, and Lord, our prison ministry, our recovery ministry, Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you help each of us to have um, our spiritual eyes open to see people and opportunities the way that you do? Our spiritual ears open, Lord God, to hear your voice and to be directed by you. Uh, Lord, as we turn to the scripture today, I ask that you would just Help us to understand what we read. Help us to hear your voice and to be doers of your word to respond, uh, with uh, a humble obedience. I thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, one just final, uh, note of information to communicate rounding out this really long, uh, maybe it's just me. I just can't stand announcements. Um, a little bit of family communication, uh, I do want you to know that we have been uh, involved in uh, some serious effort to find a better um, physical building, church home for us, and Sunday morning worship. Um, that is so that we can better serve. Obviously, uh, the ideal art space has been uh, good to us, hospitable to us. It's less than ideal for our current needs. Uh, and, you know, children's classrooms and, and facilities and whatnot. And so I just want you to know that we are actively looking for another space. We saw a few spaces this week. Uh, we do have options. Uh, we are, and I want you to, so that you can be praying, uh, which is also why, you know, we're recording this. And so some of you know that cityharborchurch.com and your various podcast outlets you can stream or download every Sunday recording. Uh, what we are looking for is a facility with, um, at least a hundred seats. Uh, preferably heat and air conditioning, which doesn't, <laughs> hard, hardly exists in Hamden. Um, something that is uh, wheelchair accessible, uh, something with at least 100 seats and at least four classrooms. Uh, I would love something with a commercial kitchen. Uh, and we would love to have the facilities to be able to do better with our midweek uh, recovery ministry, um, our Silver Recovery, our 12-step um, recovery ministry um and also to make it easier for us to uh, do the work that we do on a regular basis with food and clothing for others uh we've done a lot of that and we've not yet ever had a legal place to do it we've been kind of doing it on the DL if you know what i mean uh but i'd really i'd really like to do better with that and also uh vocational training and uh some other ministries so i would just uh invite you to be uh, interceding and praying with us to that end that we can uh find something like that you know, uh, I, I looked at a building this week that they were asking a million and a half dollars for and it. it didn't have half the stuff that I just listed. Uh, so, you know, we, you know, we, we are uh, believing that God's in control, God's gonna help us, and also that we're gonna move before, uh, the humidity starts in the summer. Uh, so, uh, just be aware of that. Uh, you know, about half of us live in Waverly and about half of us live here in Hamden. And so, you know, we are looking to, uh, make a change that is as accessible Um, As possible for us as a church family Uh, more than happy to later today or in whatever form you would like uh, field your questions Uh, We do have uh, several people from our church family engaged in this process Um, And if you have ever felt like oh, you know, this church is good. Pastor Ben never asks for money We could do more if you gave more (laughs) So I think I hope you have not ever once in this church felt a pressure to give your money um, but I do want you to know that we would like to be a self-supporting church family, and that we could do more if we have more. Now, I'm. And one last thing on this note, and then honestly, we're going to open the scripture. Um, we have specifically not waited until we were big or had a church building or a big budget to directly meet needs in the community. Didn't even talk about some stuff we did yesterday that was amazing in serving the community and serving direct needs. We have not waited to do that. I refuse to get into a building situation where we can no longer afford to do the ministries we're currently doing. Yeah. So just agree with me in prayer because unless our budget more than doubles, it's not going to happen. You hear me? Yeah. And so if you ever wonder, like, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't, you know, Pastor Ben never talks about us, so I don't feel a need to give money. If you gave more, we could do more. Um, And as we are looking to stretch and reach and and get better facilities so that your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers can have a safe place to find and follow Jesus, that's why. Mm -hmm. Sound good? Okay. So this morning, uh, as Justin mentioned earlier, thank you, Justin, for leading us in prayer and communion. Uh, Thank you, worship team, for a great uh, time of worship today. I want to start a series that I have been uh, praying about and studying for for months that um, and I don't often talk about the process because I don't think it's like talking about your fantasy football team. Nobody wants to hear that. I feel a very specific urge from the Holy Spirit about this series Equipping you, training you, inspiring you, and bringing some change for us as a church family. And I'd like to call this Peace House. And what I want to look at is ask a very simple question. How can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? How can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? You know, I've been looking at the the neighborhoods where we live. Waverly, Hamden, Druid Heights, Reservoir Hill, uh, Hamilton, Lauraville, and the suburbs. I don't have anything against the suburbs. (laughs) Maybe I do have some issues I need to work out. Uh, Your home has an impact in your neighborhood, and God cares about it. So we're going to open the scripture. We're going to try to learn. We're going to try to get God's perspective on things. How many of you think that's a good idea? So how can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? Let's turn to Judges chapter 6. So this is not not a book for us to learn how to be more judgmental. (laughs) We're not that kind of church. This is... The book Judges chronicles historical events for the people of Israel and a time where they had some problems. They had some trouble. They were being attacked and we're going to read one one such story which will explain it. And they needed deliverance. They needed protection. And instead of um, creating comic book heroes at this point in human history, God set up what people called judges. Then they were people that brought, they were leaders that brought peace. They were leaders that brought change. And so I'm going to just read starting in verse one of Judges chapter six. Are you with me? Okay. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Now that's very specific. Because there are times in the scripture where the accounts are, you know, they made a one-time mistake, they made the same mistake several times, they did a bad thing. This is evil. Okay, so the people that God had created, delivered, provided for, done miracles for, did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, they didn't cry out to God on the first day. They didn't cry out to God on the second day. Are you with me? God was punishing them because they did what? Evil. Evil. <laughs> They're starving and now they cry out for help. I've never been that bad. way. oh, yeah. <laughs> when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, not Oprah's tree, at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Just say it confidently and quickly. Gideon, the son of Joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Gideon is hiding. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? Now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. (laughs) But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Do you know who you're talking to? The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and I'll, and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented to them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it and Gideon did as he told was told then the angel of the lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand his walking stick he touched it with his walking stick and the flame a fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought and the angel of the lord disappeared when gideon realized that it was the angel of the lord he cried out o oh, sovereign lord i'm doomed I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains at Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abiezer to this day. Now, This is origin story for Gideon, and this is a passage that's very significant to me because when Rebecca and I were going through a time of prayer and fasting and assessment and study and research, and we really felt like God was very specifically through multiple forms speaking to us about moving to Baltimore to start a church from scratch, I was coming off a season of seven and a half years um, that was exhausting. And I was drained, Exhausted. And things had not been easy, and not all had gone well. And I was tired. And God saying, move to Baltimore. And I was well aware that I did not have the answers. And I was well aware that I did not have the strategy. I was well aware that I was white. <laughs> Moving into the heart of an area where there are zip codes of 5,500 people, only five of which are not African American. And I had a moment. God, you talking to me? (laughs) But mainly, I was exhausted and I knew that I did not have the answers. And I came across, we were, our son, Gideon, was about to be born. And I read this passage and God spoke to me about moving here. And this is when I knew that if we did not move to Baltimore, at this time we would be disobeying God. And God said, go in the strength you have. I knew in that moment that coming here, not having the answers, in my own personal brokenness, hungry to learn, and just willing to obey, was exactly what God wanted Go in the strength that you have. And that's why we named our son Gideon. Now, what I want to focus on to help us have a God perspective about peace, this is the first time in Scripture that God is referred to as Yahweh Shalom. Right? The Lord is peace. Just come on, can we think about this for a minute? There is no peace at this point. Gideon and his family and his nation, they're starving. Literally starving. They are broken. They are being attacked. This is sword and sandal time. They're being robbed. They're trying to grow stuff so that they can feed their family, so that they can sell some of it to have money, so that they can have their homes. They're being attacked. And in this moment, God comes to Gideon and Gideon says, I don't know who you think you're talking to. I don't have the strength to do this and nobody's going to follow me. I'm the least of the least. God comes to him. He has an interaction. He has an interaction with the presence of God. And what we don't, what you have to use your imagination to put yourself in the moment because not everything is explicitly written down. Something happens where he goes from being insecure and focused on his insecurity and focused on his own inadequacy to bring, how is he going to bring peace in this situation? He goes from that to having had an experience with God where he says, God is peace. God is peace. And this specific word, shalom, that he uses, I think is very important for us here now in Baltimore City to understand. The earliest Greek translations of the Hebrew Old Testament that we have that survive today translated this word, shalom, by using more than 20 different Greek words. And Greek is more expressive than English, and I'm not going to break down into all of that right now, but I, I... highlight that because I want you to understand, we're going to take a few weeks to understand what this shalom is and what it means on the inside of us and in our homes and then out from our homes in our neighborhoods. So this shalom, it it means peace in the way that we would say peace. And what I think is so important for us to understand, especially with the anguish and the rage and the controversy and the arguments in our public narrative that when we pray for the peace of God, this specific word peace does not mean just absent of conflict. Now, it does mean absent from conflict, but it does not mean everybody shut up. (laughs) Forgive me if that word offends you. It does not mean everybody be quiet. You don't get to talk. See, that's what the dominant Privileged white culture is saying to everybody else right now. We want peace. Just peace. Don't talk about what's going on wrong. That's not the word peace that is translated here. That is not the peace of God. The peace that is talked about here, if we take a, if we take a Bible college course in this word in 30 seconds, it is that everyone, everything is healthy. complete, free from conflict or danger, where salvation is, where you are safe and sound, where there's peace and quiet, where you can be content in good health, being at peace in every area of your life. It's bringing people into peaceful relationships and very specifically, this word shalom refers to As an individual person, every area of my life, every aspect of my life, my thoughts, my emotions, my decision-making, my physical body, my spiritual being is complete, is perfect. I know you're looking at me thinking I'm not perfect. I know. But this is what the Bible word means, shalom, is peace, is at rest, but also healthy, in good working order. And not only that, but it specifically refers to my relationships, my world, my conduct, and the natural world, the dirt, the trees, the city building and planning, and the spiritual realm, all is at peace. That's this word, shalom. That sounds like other world-like, right? Right? It's very important for us to get just a sense of it. Now, in our closing few minutes, I want to give us a broad scope of some biblical perspective, some God ideas about this. Are you ready? Okay. So the shalom peace of God is a significant theme in Scripture. Jesus, the Messiah, if I'm going to call myself a Jesus follower, Jesus is a person of peace. Jesus the Messiah predicted as the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9-6. Zechariah's prophecy that the Messiah would guide us into peace. That's His purpose. That's, what are you supposed to do? Luke chapter 1 verses 77 through 79. And then the angels, when they announced the Messiah's birth, they said, glory to God, peace on earth to those with whom God is Pleased. Now, this is very important because what we see about the shalom of God is that it is always spoken of within the context of a healthy relationship with. This is not some spooky far off, hey, everybody, is everything's good, man. No, this is a very specific context of everybody is in a healthy relationship with. It's very important. Now, There's a God-given purpose in a peaceful home. Proverbs 3.33, the Lord blesses the home of the upright. We see the presence of Jesus being discussed in Mary and Martha's home in Luke chapter 10, 38-42. Then Jesus tells his followers to go and to serve a town and minister from a home that has offered hospitality. It's the base of operations. It is from a home that this is to be done. This Messiah shalom that is to be shared. In Acts chapter 2, what do we see? We see Jesus' followers following his instructions. How? They gathered in a public place and then they gathered house to house. Now, there is also a God-given purpose in peacemaking. Very important passage. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 talks about the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but it's become very obvious that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans have all the answer. For even the state of Maryland, let alone the United States, let alone the world. And if you want to argue with me, that's totally fine. I love you. And if you are convinced that they have all the answers, great. You'll be disappointed within the year. (laughs) Like Paul wrote, I am first a citizen before I am male or female, before I am of my ethnicity, let alone the social construct of race. I am first and foremost a citizen of the kingdom of God, which is why this morning in our gathering and in your private devotion before the Lord during the week and in our gathering in homes, that is more important than anything else you're going to do. The kingdom of God is a life of righteousness. Remember, that means healthy relationship with God and other people. Righteousness, shalom, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's a mouthful. Psalm 34, verse 14, we are a song that is a directive for our purpose in life. Search for shalom. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Shamefully, a decade ago, no Christian university in the United States had a peacemaking course. And yet, this is one of the most important things to God. I volunteer as a police chaplain of Baltimore City to try to help them and the community understand about peacemaking. People who do not have the skills to de-escalate arguments, Peacemaking is God's purpose. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Jeremiah 29 verses 5 through 14, I'd invite you to read it. I think this year it is maybe the most important passage of scripture for us as a church family. I would venture a guess that most of you know Jeremiah 29 11 and how to take it out of context. Let's include in it the direction that we get from God. Work. For the peace, the shalom. Work for the peace of the city. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare, the welfare of the city will determine your welfare. That was written to the people of God about the city they were being held captive in. From it, I can derive information about who God is and what God cares about and God's value system. And from it, I should see that my identity as a person, as a Jesus follower, should include a desire that Baltimore City knows the shalom, peace of the living God. That's good. Now, here's why that's not overwhelming and depressing. Here's why it's encouraging. It's not up to you. You may be sitting here feeling like, I don't have the answers for that. I don't know how that works. I don't know. Hey, guess what? God didn't ask you to provide the city for all the answers. Right? It's not up to you. It is up to us to ask God how to be engaged in it. Mm -hmm. And God promised to do miracles to that end. If we would humble ourselves and pray Mm -hmm. and seek his face. God will show up. There is nothing too hard for God. Will you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. Last week's message was really an introduction for this. I I meant to mention that last Sunday and I forgot. I would invite you this week to speak life to other people. This is so important. And so important that you speak words of encouragement of what is possible with God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so very much that in You, true peace is possible. Lord, even where we are not currently feeling it, that when we call out to You, when we ask You for help, You will do a miracle. You will interact with us. You will bring change. You will bring Your peace. Lord, I thank You that Your promises are sure, that there is nothing too hard for You. So today, we make a fresh commitment We want to learn more about your peace and we want to carry your peace everywhere we go. Today, Lord, we will put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Lord, that everywhere we place our foot we'll be sure, we'll be strong, we'll be stable. We will be at peace. And because we are at peace in you, we will carry peace everywhere we go. I thank you for that today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here today. Please feel free to say hi to somebody, get something to eat or drink. God bless you. Grace and peace to you.